What's going on, everybody? No Huddle Show. Elliot Shore Parks here with Matt Lombardo. And a bit of a different episode today. Normally, you're used to, you're used to hearing Joe introduce us on our, 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 our midweek pod. Unfortunately, we have a little bit of bad news. Joe is moving on. He's got an exciting new job. So he's going to come in the pod later in the show to tell us about that and give us some of his uh, opinions on the Eagles coming into this week. So we uh, that'll be about 20 minutes into the pod. So make sure you stick around for that. But to start it off, we're going to talk about today's all about Nick Foles, about what he can do to succeed, what you guys think will work, how the Eagles can move the offense uh, with him. Because look, it's 2018. Carson Wentz is gone. That just is what it is. We've talked on this pod time and time again about how the Eagles are going to miss Wentz. We all know that. But it's time to move the page forward and talk about how they can win with Nick Foles. So before we get into that, um, Matt, I wanted to ask you what your opinion was of Doug's presser yesterday. Uh, for those that haven't heard it, he kind of he reiterated that Foles was the quarterback, but then said maybe he would pull him for Nate Sudfeld if needed. Um, you know, if it was kind of a drastic situation, uh, I'm not really sure what else he was supposed to say in that situation, but let me ask your opinion. Cause I have a few thoughts on that. What'd you think of Peterson's presser? Yeah, I think that the question had to be asked whether or not Nick Foles was the starting quarterback going into the playoffs based on just how poorly he's played since that Giants game. But I wasn't surprised at all to hear that Nick Foles is the Eagles quarterback. And I didn't, I don't know that I took it as strongly as you did of Doug saying that he would take Nate, Nick Foles out and put Nate Sudfeld in if Foles was struggling. I just don't think he slammed the door shut. And I think that those are kind of two different things because I think that Foles is his guy and I think the Eagles are completely preparing to play with Nick Foles as the quarterback in the postseason. But like you and I touched on on the postgame pod there's probably a line of demarcation in that game where if the offense is really struggling to move the football, if they're 0 for 8 on first down, on third down rather in the first half, maybe you consider going to Sudfeld. But I, I didn't get the sense that that's a scenario that Doug Peterson is actively preparing for. Well, all right. So my thing was, I think whenever Doug steps to the podium, he does now he does it more so than he used to, but he does it with a mission. It's something he wants to portray when he gets across there. Um, and I think he was a little taken aback by the fact Foles, that, that he was even asked if Foles would be the starter. Um, but after that, I thought he just kind of went above and beyond to kind of convince everyone that, yeah, he has, he has uh, confidence in Foles. It was almost to the point where it's like, all right, man, we get it. Like, yeah, you know, like he said during the presser, yes, Foles is his guy. It's not even a question. As he walked off the podium, he, uh, you know, he said kind of almost unprompted, like, yeah, Foles is my guy, blah, 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 as he walked. And then he apparently texts both Ian Rappaport and Howard Eskin saying, Foles is my guy, end of story. And it's almost kind of like, all right, man, like if, if he's really your guy, why are you trying so hard? I guess maybe you're, you're trying to I think convince he was just so. I think he was just so taken aback by the suggestion. And I think that, again, based on how poorly Nick Foles played, I think that the questions were justified. But let's remember, let's just take a step back here. Nate Sudfeld has not started an NFL game. His only NFL experience is for about two and a half quarters in a meaningless Week 17 game. So I don't think that Doug was actively preparing for Sudfeld to play, and I don't think that he prepared to discuss that prospect on Tuesday. So maybe I'm not reading enough into it. Maybe you're reading too much into yeah. it, but the truth lies somewhere in the middle that Foles is the starter, and we're going to have to see how that playoff game plays out. 
But I'll tell you this, and I think you'd agree with it, that if Foles plays as poorly as he played against the Raiders for three quarters and as he did against the Cowboys, I think that Doug Peterson would be doing his team a disservice if at halftime they're down by 10 points and the offense is getting shut out and not moving moving the ball if he doesn't consider playing Nate Sudfeld. But I don't think that's something that he's thinking about doing a week and a half out from the playoff and, Yeah, I mean, maybe I am reading too much into it, but I do think that part of maybe what he was trying to do after initially being taken back was to convince Foles that he's the guy. And I think that's why he texts Rappaport and says, you know, he's my guy, end of story. Like, he wants Foles to see that. And I do think that Foles is probably struggling with his confidence a little bit, no matter what he might say at the podium. Um, how could you not be? I mean, you're thrust into a situation where you're replacing an NFL MVP. The team was moving along great. And now the offense is completely shut down since you've taken over. So it would be hard not to have your confidence rattled a little bit. But I do think Peterson was trying to say to him up at the podium, like, you're my guy, you're my guy. But then, as is the case often with Peterson, sometimes he kind of double he kind of says something else in the next question. And he did leave the door open to replacing Sudfeld. Yep. So, yep. yeah, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it. It just seemed like he was overcompensating yesterday. Like if Foles is your guy, just say it and move on. I don't see the need to to text reporters afterwards and really try to drive the point home, even off the podium. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like you said, if they're trailing 10 nothing in the first round of the, in the first playoff game and Foles is playing bad. I, I do think Pearson will be open to making the change, but I'm sure Eagles fans listening are hoping that's not the case. So I think what we want to talk about today is how can the Eagles avoid that? How can they kind of get this offense going with Foles at quarterback? And one thing we asked, um, you know, we appreciate everyone that always tweets us and emails us is what are some of your suggestions as to how this offense can kind of get going with Foles at quarterback? And it probably won't, will never be the same offense it was with Wentz. I mean, this, he was just, you know, a far better quarterback, but how can the Eagles go from, you know, I mean, Foles did have four touchdowns in his first game. So, you know, I do think it's possible for them to move a ball with Foles, but these last two weeks, we certainly haven't seen it. So um, why don't we go ahead and read some of the responses and sure. we can kind of do some feedback. So Matt, do you want to read the first one? Sure. Um, one of the, the groups of responses that we got was beating eight in the box. Obviously that's the defense with creativity. And the first tweet comes from at G underscore Hayes 411. He says the Eagles need to try new things. End arounds, reverses, runs under center, tosses to come at and attempts downfield to the speedy receivers to keep the other team from having eight in the box to make the offense as unpredictable as possible. And Elliot, I kind of agree with that. And if you remember, there was a play, I think it was on the first series. It might have even been the second play of the game where they sent Nelson Aguilar in motion on an end around and they handed the ball to him on an end around type of play. And it just kind of struck me that that was a nice wrinkle to the offense. And I think that we're going to get a lot of suggestions to get more creative in the running game. But one of the areas that, you know, gets defenses to sell out to stop the run is if you have that dominant matchup breaking type of running back, which I don't think the Eagles have right now. I don't think there's a running back that you can necessarily move around and put in the slot or you start out in an empty formation and bring the running back there and you have to dedicate a linebacker to that running back. I just don't think the Eagles have that type of player, but that end around the G underscore hazy 411 suggested, that might be a wrinkle that you can use because Nelson Aguilar is one of the fastest players on the team. And if you can get him a running head start and get him turning off a corner, you could break a double digit gainer there. So my only issue with doing these end arounds is I think the Eagles have tried them a fair amount this year. At least they've tried to give Aguilar the ball. In, in space on, along the side of the field, not going for him deep, not throwing it to him, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field, just giving it to him. And I mean, he did it a lot in the preseason, um, a lot in training camp, and they've done it, you know, a few times during the regular season. And it just really has never been successful. I know he was close to breaking that one, 
but he didn't break it. So I'm not so much of the school of thought of, you know, let's get really creative. Let's do ends around reverses. Like, I don't think you have to do that. But um, what, what I do kind of agree with is, and this is in the same, the same vein of the last one, um, at NR Garrett said, teams are stacking eight in a box and daring foals to throw. Doug has to resist the urge and keep running or go three-step drop with old-school Wildcat offense. So I don't know if I agree with the Wildcat offense part, but I do agree that Doug has to kind of re- resist the urge to try to have Foles win this game. Um, when you look at Foles' career, I'm, I'm looking at his game log right now. When he throws the ball a ton, I mean, if it, in his career, his top one, one, two, three, four, five, six of the six times in his career of where he's thrown the ball the most, and we're talking like 45 times or more, he's one in five in those games. So he's just not a quarterback that if you throw the ball a ton, he, he's going to win the game. Now, I understand you're throwing it mostly because you're down, but he, he's just not a guy. And then when you look at the times he's thrown it 20 plus times in his career, uh, he, is a, he is a much better win-loss record. I mean, from 20 times and over, he's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, ten, ten and one in the games where he's thrown it between 21 and 27 times. So I yeah. think Foles is a guy that, you want to just have him manage the game. And I think, you know, that's where I agree that, look, this is going to be about the running game. And I think the Eagles have the personnel along the offensive line to run the ball against eight in the box. I mean, they have, a, a you know, a Pro Bowl caliber center. They have a Pro Bowl guard. They have a Pro Bowl tackle. They have, you know, Jay Ajayi, who was a Pro Bowl, who was, is a Pro Bowl type talent. LeGarrette Blunt has fallen off a little bit, but I still think he, he can be a good, you know, a good option for this team. Um, so they have the personnel just to simply line up, put Foles under center and have, and, and dare the opposing defensive line to stop them. So although I, I agree to a certain extent and I see the point of the first reader in terms of, yeah, Doug's got to get creative. I don't really think that's the case. I think that's where you can really hurt yourself asking Foles to do much and change too much um, going into the playoff game. Yeah, and I think that at, uh, NR underscore, underscore Garrett might have been meaning the West Coast offense because what he's talking about there is going three-step drop and four or five mm-hmm. routes. That's more of a West Coast concept, which I, I do agree that that's kind of what you need to shape this offense as. Um, you know, get Zach Ertz involved over the middle, little slant and go routes, little uh, shallow crossers over the middle. They need to be more effective on first down and second down because we've all talked about how abysmal they've been on third down, one for 14 against the Raiders. And at one point on Sunday against the Cowboys, they were 0 for 9. A lot of that's set up because of incompletions on first down or runs for one or two yards on first down and struggling on second down. So you're facing third and long. So there's no question they need to be better on first down. And I think with Nick Foles, like you touched on, Elliot, you can't necessarily have him win the game for you. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to, you know, dink and dunk down the field. You're going to have to run shallow crossers. You're going to have to, you know, get the the tight end involved on little skinny post patterns. You're going to have to throw swing passes to a running back out of the backfield. Maybe Corey Clement is your best option in space there. And if NR underscore Garrett was referring to the Wildcat, that goes back to my point. I don't think they have the personnel to run the Wildcat effectively. Um, you just look at the college bowl games. I mean, we all talk about Saquon, but you look at the playoff game with Georgia and Sonny Michelle and, and um, Nick Chubb. They can run the Wildcat because those running backs are just matchup nightmares with speed, elusiveness, strength, explosiveness on their first step. 
I don't see the Eagles really having a running back who can do that and catch a defense off guard. So I think it comes down to the dink and dunk passing game and some end arounds with Aguilar and getting the ball into the receivers and tight ends hands in space. Because I, if a team is selling out to stop the run by putting eight in the box, as good as the Eagles offensive line is, and maybe Stefan Wisniewski makes a difference there. If they're putting eight in the box, that means that somebody is open over the top in the passing game and it's incumbent on Foles to go and find that guy. Yeah, but my only issue with that is if you're going to kind of do that, where you're just going to have Foles do a quick three-step drop and then, you know, two-yard completion, three-yard completion, and then you count on your receivers to make plays after the catch. I mean, we saw against the Raiders in that that final drive, or I guess the final drive of the Eagles, um, when he had, I think he got the team like 16 or 18 yards took him four or five completions. I don't really think that's a sustainable way. I know it worked against the Raiders, but I mean, if you think about it, the Eagles got the ball on what, like their own 49 or, or something around there, they got it around midfield and they only moved the ball 15 or 20 yards um, yeah. when you really needed to. And on third down, they weren't able to get that done. And this is kind of an issue where, I've said it all year. No matter who's a quarterback, I don't think you have the personnel to make yards after the catch. I mean, Aguilar this year, um, according to Fox Sports, has 311 yards yard uh, after the catch this year. So he's averaging around three yards after the catch. Zach Ertz, 248 um, catches. I'm oh, sorry, 248 yards after the catch this year. Um, he's averaging right around three yards. And you saw that against the Raiders. These guys, they don't really break tackles very often. Ertz, for as good as he is, it's always been a criticism of his that he's not great after the catch. Alshon is just, you know, Alshon, like, if he catches a four- or five-yard catch, you're only getting four or five yards. He doesn't really get any any yak, and he has trouble creating separation. So that would be my one hesitation is if you're going to do that where you're going to have him drop back you know, three yards and just kind of dink and dunk your way down the field. I don't think the Eagles have the personnel to do it. And once again, at that point, you're talking about um, see. But here's the thing: if you're talking throwing about, the ball fifty times, right? Let, let, let's say that they average four yards a game in terms of a pass play. So that's right. three pass plays, twelve yards. And if you're moving the chains, and let's say you start the with the ball at the twenty yard line, it's going to take you seven, eight first downs to get down the field. That's going to churn down a lot of clock. Right. So not only are you moving the ball, it's not going to look pretty. You're not going to get on, you know, Sports Center highlight reels or any of that, but it's going to churn time off the clock. It's going to, you know, build some confidence on the early downs and keep the chains moving so you're more efficient on third down. And the more and more that you do, you know, even if it is four or five yards at a pop, the more that you do have success in the passing game, teams are going to have to take that eighth guy out of the box and move them into coverage. So then maybe you could sneak in a run play here and there. But I think the bottom line is, and I think that we're both in agreement with this, but just thinking that it leads to different things. I think you're going to have to rely your game plan and center it around running the football. And I think that you're going to have, and the way that you do that with the personnel the Eagles have is, you know, you line up and you play smash mouth football. And if you get stopped on first down, you get stopped on third down. Maybe early in the game in the first couple series, you run it again. Because even if you're getting two or three yards a clip, you're setting yourself up for a third and short situation where you have the option to run to have an RPO where you can run or you can pass with some of those dink and dunk type of routes. Yeah, I think the only only area I slightly disagree with you, and I don't, I'm not even sure it's complete, we completely disagree, is I don't think you have to get creative to beat it in the box. I think you have the personnel, like you said, just play smash mouth football, and then obviously you're going to throw the ball as well, but I don't think this is, the Eagles don't have um, the personnel in the running game where they have to get creative to be productive. They've been a good running team all year, and yes, having Wentz back there certainly impacted that, um, but I think that if the Eagles are going to win their first playoff game and maybe a second one, um, 
they're, they're, they can't get cute in the running game. They just have to line up, trust their offensive linemen. This is why you got LeGarrette Blunt. This is why you got Jay Ajayi. Corey Clement's been a nice surprise. So I think that's the only, only area I disagree with you a little bit is I think that even if there's eight in the box and, and you know, just don't give up on it early if you're Doug. I mean, I understand it's a, it's a one one game season now. So if it's a third quarter and you're still not able to run it, then yeah, you got to maybe start to rethink things. But I don't think the Eagles have to come out with some type of elaborate, cute game plan. I think they have the personnel to run the ball um, right away. So let's get into. Uh, we touched on this a, a little bit um, with our last one, but the other kind of group of responses we got in terms of ideas from people were about short, quick passes, which is what we we just discussed yep. to a degree, but. At HRIV2 says, do not call plays in which Foles has to scramble. Watch watch Tom Brady film. The dude sees it and delivers it. Foles needs to let it rip from the pocket. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we appreciate the, I mean, the response. But I think anything, anytime you mention Foles and Brady in the same type of uh, – and you're talking about your game plan, I don't think you want to build what you want Foles to do around Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady's probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. And, I mean, we can even look at Matt Ryan. We can even look at – Eli Manning, they get rid of the ball a lot quicker than Nick Foles does. And the Eagles defense struggle with that. Opposing defenses historically will struggle with quarterbacks to get rid of the ball in under three seconds. Elliot, you and I have watched Nick Foles a lot dating back to 2013 and now in the the four games that he's played this year. It's just not his game. He doesn't have that grip it and rip it mentality. And you can think back to, I think it was even the play that Torrey Smith dropped or it might have been the interception. Alshon Jeffrey was wide open. I mean, he might as well have been standing in center city. He would have walked in for a touchdown and Nick Foles never looked at him. So to me, the bigger concern with Nick Foles isn't that he's overanalyzing things from the pocket. It's that he's throwing to his first read. And to me, that's a sign of a quarterback who isn't settled back there. I think that he's, whether he's seeing ghosts, whether he's still getting adjusted to the speed of the NFL game, having been a backup for the last two and a half years, whatever the case may be, he seems to be a one-read-and-throw type of quarterback, and that's where you leave potential big plays on the field because you don't see Alshon Jeffrey wide open and you're throwing it to and the ball. See, that, that's to kind of what we, to what we started the podcast with, talking about Peterson at the podium. I think that has to do with Foles' confidence to a certain degree because you saw – you saw in the in the Giants game when he got going, I mean, he made some nice throws. And again, I don't think he played as well as everyone else does. But, you know, when he had time to sit back there and he was confident, I mean, that Alshon touchdown, which I believe was his first one. So he was still feeling good about himself. He's still feeling confident. He sat back there and really read the whole field. I mean, he probably went through his progressions, you know, at least his full progression. And then he found Alshon who broke off of his route. So when, when Foles is confident and has time back there, that's when you can make things work. And that's really going to be the key. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about running the ball a ton and I, and you know, whether they'll be able to do short, quick passes, but the offensive line is going to be the key now because they really have to protect Foles. I mean, the, the, you know, HRIV2 said, do not call plays in which Foles has to scramble. You don't want to, you don't want to see Foles moving at all. You want to see him sit back there and, you know, not let it rip because I don't think he has that strong of an arm, but just let, let, let him sit back there and just kind of read what he sees on the downs where he, he does have to throw the ball. And look, I mean, third downs an area he struggled and I can see why Foles' confidence is waning. He hasn't completed a pass that resulted in a first down on a third down since midway through the Giants game. So he didn't do it against the Raiders and he didn't do it in a short time on the field against the Cowboys. So I think confidence is absolutely going to be key for Foles if you're going to ask him to, uh, to, uh, you know, sit back there and make throws. Um, do you want to read the next one from, uh, for the readers? Sure. 
uh, we're looking at at Comic-Con is okay. So I'm not right. Bulls, Yeah, right. Uh, I'm not convinced Bulls is, has the arm strength, accuracy, mobility, or pocket awareness necessary to stretch the field. I don't see a plan for the team's success with him under center that doesn't involve short, quick passes and forces the wide receivers to make people miss. Bulls' shortcomings are compounded by a troubled offensive line, so getting the ball out as quickly as possible is going to be paramount. I agree with everything that he says, except for the fact that he's a Comic Con fan. Just never been my thing. I think I think but, it's Comic Sans, but that's fair. We Comic we Sans, like- okay. <laughs> uh, Comic Sans is okay. Fine. All right. So Comic Sans is okay. Um, tweets at us there, uh, and I, I kind of agree with him in terms of Foles' arm strength, accuracy, mobility, and pocket awareness. That goes back to you know our concerns about him having uh, you know one read and throw mentality. That's what goes back to the quick passes. I agree with that, and I do think that. The offensive line is going to be better. And one overlooked fact of the last three games ever since that Rams game, the Eagles have been without Stefan Wisniewski, and they're going to get him back. He played against the Cowboys. They're going to get him back in a playoff game. That's going to really stabilize um, the left side of your offensive line. And and I think that Halapulivity Vitae might be a bigger concern than than the guard play, but even he'll get a boost from playing against playing alongside Wisniewski again. So I think that having Wiz back out there is going to help Foles in the pocket, and it's certainly going to help the run game. Yeah, and so I think this this next reader makes a really good suggestion in terms of what type of personnel you're going to want to see out there in the passing game. Like, yeah, in the running game, I think, you know, Doug kind of hinted at it in his press, so you're probably going to see a little more J.H.I., even though he's kind of said that throughout the year and you've never really seen it. But I do think they seem finally committed to maybe giving Ajayi, letting him touch the ball 20 times, um, uh, you know, in their first playoff game, but uh, at Mitchell 1992 says we need to call call quicker f- uh, throws for Foles, which is what we've said. But yep. the interesting part is he says he'd play a three tight end set with Ertz, Burton, and Selleck and make the ma- and make that the main part of the passing game with Alshon and Aguilar as decoys. And the one part I like of that about that, which this uh, reader also touches on, is I do think Foles has a nice rapport with Ertz, um, obviously because they've played together before. I mean, I remember back when Foles was still the quote-unquote franchise guy, him and Ertz every game before the game would have a little warm-up routine they'd go through throwing the ball together. They've always been close. So I, I think that is part of the reason that he has a rapport with Ertz. Um, and Burton's a guy, I think that, you know, I mean, really, if you talk about all your passing options, I know it's been in a limited role as opposed to an Alshon or a Torrey Smith, but Burton has outperformed, in my opinion, Torrey Smith this year, just in terms of when asked when asked to, you know, whatever his role is going to be for that game, he's he's really gone and met it. No, so I, I like really, the idea, I really like the idea of the three tight end set. I agree with you and I agree with at Mitchell nineteen ninety two. I think that it opens up a couple things. Number one, when you have three tight ends on the field, that gives you a bigger offensive line to run behind. It opens up um, so create some creativity in the passing game and sows a seed of doubt in the, in, for a defense in that is Trey Burton going to run out for a, a route or is he going to stay in and help block? Brent Selleck um, had a couple of nice catches against the Cowboys, even though in this stage of his career, he's much more of a run blocker than anything else. So it kind of opens up the playbook a little bit. You have some bigger personnel out there. Um, but the one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on from everything here, Elliot, is that. I think there's a legitimate conversation to be made for playing Matt Collins over Torrey. Yeah, you're, you're team Matt Collins this week. Well, this I think, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's a couple reasons. Number one, I don't think that you've really gotten what you expected to get from a production or reliability standpoint out of Torrey Smith. Dropped a lot of passes. He had that drop pass against the Cowboys. Um, but you even go a step further. Who was Nick Foles when he was healthy in training camp and OTAs throwing to? He wasn't throwing yeah. to Torrey Smith. He was throwing to Matt Collins. So those guys probably built up a little bit of chemistry during the summertime. 
I'd just be interested to see, you have nine rookies on the roster. Hollins has shown you that he's not going to cost you anything. How much upside is there to playing him in a playoff over somebody like Torrey Smith, who hasn't exactly given you what you've expected? Well, it certainly sounds like your dog agrees. So that's yeah, good to know. You, <laughs> you have you have one person that uh that that definitely agrees with you. Um all right, so now what we have to get into is unfortunately, although I'm very happy for Joe, sad for us and the listeners, we're gonna bring Joe Gillio on and normally he's introducing me, but unfortunately Joe is gonna be leaving the podcast. Um he's got a new exciting job that we're all very happy for him that he got that. But Joe, welcome to uh your last no huddle show. Oh, uh, this is weird. This is weird. Yeah. One, it's weird being the last one I'm going to be on. And two, it's weird having you guys um, welcome me in. But no, I'm glad to be here. And obviously, uh, we got a couple things we got to touch on before I, I exit here. The Eagles are about to play a playoff game. I know. Normally, uh, at least on Twitter, I know you bring a more, uh, a more optimistic view of the Eagles. So we just kind of talked about, um, you know, how we think the offense is going to work or what, what they can do. Look, we all know Wentz is a better quarterback than Foles, but what they can do on offense to kind of get this thing going. So what are some of your ideas? And we talked about, you know, committing to the run game, short throws. But do you see a path for Doug where he can really get this offense back to what it was with Wentz? Back to what it was with Wentz? No, but I do think there's a path to win a game here. And, and then I guess, you know, we'll see where the, the chips lie for them in the playoffs. I, I just I find the reaction. I'm sure you guys touched on it both after the game Sunday and before I came on here. The reaction to Sunday, I just find it amazing because I didn't take anything from the game, good and bad. I'm not going to say, well, the Eagles defense is the best in the league now. And I'm not going to say Nick Foles is the worst quarterback. I I think Nick is what he is. And I think what the three of us said he was three weeks ago. He's up. He's down. I could see Nick Foles playing decent in a playoff game and then winning. I could also see him playing awful and they go out uh, in the first game. The one thing I'll say about getting him going uh, for Doug I think they need someone to make a play for Nick more than Nick needs to make a play, whether it's a screen pass that Ajayi takes or Clement takes for a big play, which almost happened on Sunday before the penalty. I think it was on Kelsey Um, or a guy like Aguilar. Could Doug get him into space and then he runs after the catch? Like, remember that play in um, in Seattle where he was wide open and if Carson hits him Mm -hmm. in stride right at the beginning of the second half, he probably runs all day like one of those plays. Can Doug get? one of his playmakers in space and then Nick just puts the ball on him and all of a sudden, you know, Nick's stats look good, but he's not really, you know, doing anything special. I, I think the Eagles just need a play. They need someone to make a play for Nick Foles more than waiting around for Nick Foles to make a play. No, I, I agree with a lot of that. And I think that we've spent a lot of this podcast talking about Nick Foles, talking about how to reignite the offense. Uh, let's not forget this defense just three weeks ago gave up 435 passing yards to Eli Manning and got lit up in the secondary. Jalen Mills didn't play due to an ankle injury against the Cowboys. Um, Sidney Jones, there was a lot of good. There was also, you know, some realization that he's going to go through some growing pains. We're not yet sure whether he's going to play in a playoff game. Where do you think the Eagles defense is? Because as you said, I don't think that we can look at the game against the Cowboys and say that they're the best defense in the league or in the NFC going into the playoffs. But I also think that it's going to be interesting to see this team line up against a quarterback like Drew Brees or a quarterback like Matt Ryan or a quarterback like Cam Newton in a playoff game. And then in an NFC championship situation, maybe Jared Goff or Case Keenum and especially the Rams with a multifaceted offense. Where are you with this defense right now? And what do you think they need to shore up to be ready to carry this team? Because I think the only way, Joe, that they win a playoff game is with the defense carrying them in the postseason. 
Yeah, they're going to have to. And here's the thing with the Eagles defense. They're good. They're capable of playing really well at home, as we've seen now, really for two years. I think, what's the number, like 14 points a game over the last two seasons at home? So there's a level I think we expect out of them at home. But I think, you know, the next two weeks are going to be interesting because if it's the Saints, that's probably the toughest matchup. But even like you said, Matt, Newton or or, uh, Ryan, there's going to be an expectation and the pressure's on the Eagles defense more than it is Nick Foles. If they give up 24 points... The Eagles aren't going to win the game. I mean, that's just probably the way it is. So, I, I don't know. Elliot, what do you think is realistic to a- ask of this defense? 17, 20 points, and then yeah, and then I you think, got a chance? I think, that's, I think that's kind of best-case scenario, 17 points, <clears throat> 17, 20 points. And that's why, if I'm the Eagles, I mean, I think the Saints are the worst possible matchup, as you kind of just hinted at, because they have both a good offense and a good defense. But I'd rather play a team that struggles to score and, and just kind of, you know, I think they have to play a team that is going to need to really have a good game to score 17, 20 points, as opposed to a team like, you know, the Rams or the Saints, where a bad, bad day for them is 20 points because the Eagles offense is going to struggle to score. Um, I'm not as confident. I'm not as confident in the Eagles defense as other people are. Um, I think the cornerback situation is still pretty much. Not a great one, even after, you know, I thought Sidney Jones played okay, but I don't think he's going to see a ton of time in the playoffs. Uh, Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby have both struggled recently. Uh, And I I think there's a lot of tough matchups out there for him. I mean, you know, we've talked about on this podcast time and time again time and time again about the elite quarterbacks, but there's some elite receivers coming here potentially too. I mean, Julio Jones, uh, Michael Thomas on the Saints, um, you know, Cooper Cup gave Ronald Darby fits when they played in LA. So the Eagles defense is really going to have, have it out for them. And, you know, we talked a lot about how Foles is maybe going to do short, quick throws, but that's what opposing offense have been doing to the Eagles. And it's really neutralized the pass rush. And when you take Wentz off this team and you talk about what do they do really well, like what's something that this team excels at? And now with Wentz gone, you can't really say the passing game. I guess the running game, and I think they have the personnel to do it, but they haven't been that great recently. I do think the one thing that this team should be able to still do really well is rush the passer. And if you're playing a quarterback that is ace, a coupled with a good head coach that's smart, they're going to neutralize that pass rush. So it's really going to be on the Eagles cornerbacks to to make sure these short throws don't turn into long gains. And I think that's an issue. So I think if you're talking about what you can expect out of the Eagles defense heading into the playoffs, 17 to 20 points is what you can ask for. I, I, I think anything below that, it, it, it's gravy at that point. I think that's fair. And if you ask for more, you're asking, it's almost an impossible test. Like, yeah, just, just hold Drew Brees to 10 points. You, then it will be fine. Right. It's a lot to ask. Let me guys ask you this, because I didn't, obviously I just jumped on and I didn't hear, and you might've touched on it already. If you did, you could just kind of answer me quickly. If you didn't, what did you, We'll go, Matt, what'd you make first? Because you guys were there yesterday. I was listening to Doug Peterson on Monday so or Tuesday. We're doing this podcast on a Wednesday. What did you make with Doug on Tuesday? The way he answered the question about maybe pulling Nick from the game if things d- didn't go well. I, I just, well, I thought it's uh, yeah. We'll throw that right back at you because we did talk about this at, at the beginning. And okay. I, I thought that he came across extremely like he was trying to overcompensate. Um, like he was just really trying hard to convince people and really trying hard to convince Nick. So is that what you got from it? Or me and Matt were kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. with yeah, that. I, I didn't read into it quite as much as Elliot did in terms of actually playing Sudfeld or that Sudfeld was an option to start the playoff game. But I thought maybe he just was in some way leaving the door open that if Foles struggled mightily in the playoffs, they might make a change. Yeah, I just I, I kind of thought of it as maybe a challenge to Nick or, you know, something to kind of get Nick Foles to wake up a little bit here. Not, not that Doug is that kind of like you know fire and brimstone coach, but I just thought about if the question was asked to Doug 
and it was Carson, which I know you guys wouldn't ask that question because he's the MVP of the league, but like, just play that out. Like if Carson Wentz struggles in his first playoff game, would you take him out for Nick Foles? Everyone in the room would laugh. Doug would laugh. He didn't laugh. Like Nick Foles, he said, is a starting quarterback. Someone asked him if the starting quarterback struggles, would you go to your, now your backup? And he gave a kind of a hypothetical, you know, you won't never say never answer. I just thought it was interesting more than anything. I I don't think he's going to take Nick Foles out, but I just thought it was interesting, Matt, that he just kind of left that door open, like you just said, just in case. Yeah, and and again, we're not talking about replacing Carson Wentz. We're talking about replacing a backup quarterback who I don't think that Doug Peterson is married to, but he's dating for the playoffs, right? He needs Nick Foles to play well in the playoffs um, to keep this thing rolling. And I think that, you know, I didn't look at it as you did, a challenge to Nick Foles, but I think that there is something to be said for Elliott saying, um, he was looking out for Nick Foles' confidence and trying to give him that boost. I can see where you guys are coming from with those angles. And I think that he could have easily flatly said, you know, Nick Foles is my guy and Nate Sudfeld isn't getting any reps and blah, 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 blah. He just seemed to leave the door cracked open, which I found interesting, but I didn't read enough into to think that there was any chance that this is something that they're actively preparing for and getting Sudfeld ready to play next week. So now that we've kind of gotten all of our trying to be optimistic about Foles out of the way. Joe, I think this is uh this is goodbye, man. This is the last time you'll be on here with us. And it's funny, I mean, me, you, and Eckle started this. Eckle retired, and now you're moving on as well. So why don't you tell people about, you know, where you're going to be at and uh, where they can still listen to you? Yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's just, it's been a blast doing this. It's so cool that, you know, you and I and Eckle started this and mm-hmm. created it. And now you and Matt have taken it to a new level with all the the extra shows you do each week. Cause when we started, it was just the weekly right. kind of react to the game. And now there's obviously a lot more to this. I'm ex- first of all, I'm excited to listen to you guys as it continues. Cause I listen every week, uh, especially the episodes I'm not on. I don't really listen back to myself, but I listen to all the episodes I'm excited to. And yeah, so I'm going to be at the night host, the evening host at WIP in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which I'm sure some of our listeners kind of crosses over. But if you don't know, it's the um, the home of the Eagles, the sports talk station that has the Eagles in Philadelphia. So I'm going to be on at night. Um, start, really, I started already, but it kind of just now starts again in a different way with the new year. So I'll be on each night um, between now and baseball season. It's just going to be me. And then when the baseball season starts, I'll be on around the Phillies kind of before the game for a pregame and then after the game and sometimes even into kind of early in the evening or the morning um, late after game. So, yeah, I'll be on I'll be on WIP uh, as the evening host. But uh, this That's was phenomenal, and I'm really happy for you. It's Thank a great you. opportunity and it's a heritage sports talk station in the country and uh, certainly a well-deserved opportunity for you. I remember us working together back on ESPN radio down in South Jersey and at competing radio stations in Philadelphia while we were colleagues here. And nobody, nobody works harder than you do. And I'm happy to see you get this opportunity. Well, Matt, I appreciate it guys. I appreciate uh, you coming, bringing me on here and uh, I'll be listening to however many podcasts you have left. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say. So before you, before you, we uh, cut off for the final time, final Eagles prediction, where does this season end? I think they're going to beat the Saints in wow. the in the divisional round. I think they're going to upset wow. them. I think for the next two weeks, it's. I think they're going to be the most picked against number one seed ever. I already saw. You might have touched on this. I already saw the opening line or kind of like the projected line is Saints minus four and a half in Philadelphia, which I get because it's Nick Foles, but it's just like mind boggling that a road yeah. team could be a four and a half point favorite. I think they're going to beat them. I think they're going to find a way, and then I think the season ends. 
with an NFC title game loss to the Vikings. That's that's my final prediction here. So the All Vikings right, well, they, go on if, to be the first host team in a Super Bowl. Wow, yeah. that would be that'd be wild. That would be if they wild. beat the if they beat the Saints, we might have to uh, have you back on to let you glow it a little bit because I'd be pretty surprised by that. But uh, you know, I mean, as Matt said, congratulations on the job. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this. I've always thought you've been one of the most talented radio hosts in the city, even before we knew each other. So I know I'll be listening at night, and uh, we'll miss you, man. Well, I'll miss doing this. I appreciate it, and uh, and good luck with the rest of the No Huddle Show. I'll be listening. All right, so guys, uh, the sh- the show is not ending, even though we're all set. Joe's leaving. We will have a podcast for you. Um, I believe before the weekend, um, we're going to try to get one in. If not, we'll definitely have one for you right at the beginning of next week, talking about who the Eagles are going to be playing and uh, you know what, how the matchups look, see if it is the Saints, maybe it's the Falcons. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, on Monday. And um, please you know, send us uh, your tweets. We really enjoyed this today, kind of talking about what the readers think would work. Uh, what do you think of the matchups? And we'll make sure we read some of them on the podcast after we find out who the opponent is. So Matt, I will talk to you on uh, the next podcast. Talk to you on the next podcast, Elliot.